the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710-KNUS. Good to be with you this morning. Thanks for being along for the ride. We've got lots to do and discuss today on the program. If you want to join in to the festivities, 303 696 1971 is our telephone number to do just that. You can also text into the show on the 710KNUS app on your smartphone. You can tweet at me 24-7-365 at Sang Center. That's saying with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. Follow me there. Shoot me messages or whatever. It's the Twitterverse. And Facebook, another social media platform to connect. Facebook.com slash Jimmy Sangenberger Pro or just search Jimmy Sangenberger Media Personality in the Facebook search bar. And a couple ways to email yours truly. If you go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page at 710knus.com, you can shoot me a note from there or log on to my website, jimmysangenberger.com. And keep in mind, of course, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is E-Z. So lots of ways to get in touch with the program. By the way, if you go to jimmysangenberger.com, it is the contact page, of course, that you want to go to to connect. And again, our telephone number, 303-696-1971. Coming up in a little bit on the show, there is another model of healthcare that could be a better way to save money and might be something we should be examining more closely as far as more substantial changes when it comes to healthcare and providing healthcare services. There's a model called the direct primary care model. It's something I've talked about a couple of times uh, in the past with uh, Dr. Lee Gross. Well, I've caught up with Dr. Chad Savage, who is a direct primary care provider out in Michigan, about how this system works. It could save money and so forth as the Democrats especially want to add more regulatory hurdles to the extent they they want to make any sorts of reforms. It's an expanding government and minimizing choice. This model is quite the opposite and much more focused on the individual. What is this kind of model of a healthcare provider? We're going to get into that coming up in just a little bit with Dr. Chad Savage of Your Choice Direct Care, a way to provide health care services that I think we need to be looking at more seriously in terms of expansion across the country. So we'll talk a little health care coming up this morning. Also, in the 7 o'clock hour, 
We will continue our conversations with the candidate series, only we're not going to do the mayoral thing. We will be joined by Eric Odland. He is running to be state party chair for the Colorado GOP, Republican Party. We haven't had an opportunity to do uh, candidate interviews on the state chair race yet. So I'm looking, well, since Casper Stockham a couple months back, so I'm looking forward to delving back into the state chair race with Eric Odland here in the 7 o'clock hour. It is a pivotal moment for the Republican Party in this state. It is crucial that the party set itself up on the right trajectory. And that's why these conversations are important. Looking forward to speaking with Eric Odland in the 7 o'clock hour. Of course, he ran in the 7th Congressional District unsuccessfully against now Congresswoman Brittany Pedersen. Also coming up on the program, to increase equity, school districts eliminate honors classes. That's a headline from... The Wall Street Journal, with a push that is growing in California and elsewhere to eliminate honors classes in schools with the goal being to achieve equity so that everybody is equally behind. You know, this really reminded me, as I was reading this story, of last year. When we had the sick out, the fake sick day of the minority of educators that in Douglas County schools are members of the teachers union. And they did this sick out. And around the time of the protest, and it was the protest of the firing, uh, ostensibly of the firing of Corey Wise as superintendent at the time of Douglas County schools. But really, it was much bigger than that in terms of what their motivations were. And there was a Zoom call, an organizing Zoom call that was leaked out, showing what their real intentions were. And this was a little snippet, and never mind the music that when it was leaked out, somebody put a creepy music bed behind it. But just listen to this little snippet. And it reminded me of this snippet of somebody on this union call justifying closing school for a day well this is done the way we did red for ed no one will be there because they won't be able to run the school the kids will get another snow day you know everyone's going to be equally behind everyone's going to be equally behind isn't that really the definition of equity the way that the left and the teachers unions promote it and approach it let's bring everybody down to a level instead of lifting students up to a higher level. And in fact, student achievement is far from the primary goal of the teachers' union. Their goal, their purpose, their essence, their objective is not to improve achievement. That is not only what you can see from this equity effort that is expanding, but it's also something that you could see in how the unions operate in this state of Colorado and, of course, across the country because they prioritize things 
that will advance their power and influence over the K through 12 system instead of doing things that will address the real crises that we see in schools, particularly when it comes to academic performance and resounding academic performance lows. Tomorrow in the Denver Gazette, I will have a column entitled Unions Ignore the Real Crisis in Our Schools. We're going to talk more about this in the 8 o'clock hour where I will unveil exclusive audio from a recording I obtained of a union-led meeting of employees in the Woodland Park School District. Now, Woodland Park is really in the heart of Colorado. It's the largest town in solid Republican Teller County, nestled on Pikes Peak's North Slope. And it is a place that the union now describes as the epicenter of a battle over K-12 education. Here's a little preview from this meeting that took place on January 30th. Again, heard for the first time and exclusively here on the program. We've got more that we will share in the 8 o'clock hour. But I think you really need to put into perspective this clip with the mindset going in of where are the priorities of the teachers' union bosses? And how might that be reflected in this effort to increase equity, eliminating honors, classes, etc.? Again, Woodland Park meeting, January 30th. The WPEA has filed for a crisis assessment uh, from CEA. If we get that crisis grant, there will be um, some additional funding coming our way. And CEA is watching what's going on, and they recognize that we are in crisis. We've seen this same fight get fought across the state. We saw it fought in Jeffco a few years ago. It's being fought in Dugco. It's, it's being fought in Pueblo. Um, we're fighting it in Colorado Springs in Air Academy School District. We're fighting it in Colorado Springs District 11. This is happening in Chris D4, D49. This same fight is happening, but I will tell you that I have reached out to some of my contacts at all these other schools and they said, yes, Nate, if you need our help in any way, shape, or form, let us know, and we will be there to support you. Coordination among unions across the state, and one of their big frustrations there, one of the crisis moments in Woodland Park, supposedly, is because their interim superintendent is the former school board president of Jefferson County, Ken Witt, who is a Name from the past, if you've been listening to this show, we were covering happenings in Jefferson County Schools going back to when he ran for school board in 2013. But I remember what happened in 2015 and all the shenanigans that the unions pulled back then. And we're seeing repeats. We saw it in Douglas County. He's right that there are a lot of instances where these union fights or battles are going on. And it is fundamentally a distraction from what is necessary to improve achievement, to set students on a better path. And it's important to discuss 
what is going on here, and that's why we are going to do it right here exclusively on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, giving you a preview of the column and some of this audio from a union-led meeting on January 30th that has much broader implications than simply one tiny school district nestled up on Pikes Peak's North Slope. And, of course, we will offer opportunities to join into the conversation on that and more at 303-696-1971. That is our telephone number. Speaking of this education issue, Andrea Mitchell over on MSNBC was interviewing Vice President Kamala Harris, and they had this little exchange about Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, and his supposed agenda regarding what should and should not be taught in Florida schools. What does Governor Ron DeSantis not know about black history and the black experience when he says that slavery and the aftermath of slavery should not be taught to Florida school children? I don't know what he knows and what he doesn't know, but I know this. Any push to censor America's teachers and tell them what they should be teaching in the best interest of our children in, in partnership with the parents of America is, I think, um, wrong-headed. The people who know our children best are their parents and their teachers in terms of the time they spend and the investment they've placed in the brains and capacity of our children who are our nation's future. And it should not be some politician saying what should be taught in our classrooms. Now, I do agree to this extent on politicians directing what's happening in the classrooms. I think there's much more going on, though, with regards to AP African American Studies, which is not this. What does Governor Ron DeSantis not know about black history and the black experience when he says that slavery and the aftermath of slavery should not be taught to Florida school children? He has never said that. This is not the objective that he was attempting to achieve in saying to the advanced placement program, to the college board, I am not going to allow this program. This class called Advanced Placement African-American Studies in Florida Schools, so long as it fits, includes these things that he believes are political, indoctrination, etc. Now, I've talked about this before, and I do think it's, it's more persuasive to say, look, this is an optional class that's college level. And parents could say, no, I don't want my kid taking this class, although that's incumbent upon the parent to be aware and the coursework to be understood by the parent. But nevertheless, there is that possibility. This is not just a run of the mill civics class or history class that is just being co-opted by CRT. It's a different kind of class in structure and in content. But he's gotten concessions 
They pared back some of the things that this class included. I don't know if Florida is allowing AP African-American studies into the classrooms yet after the changes getting rid of some of the, shall we say, bad CRT stuff that was set up in the original framework for the class. But all of this is just to say that there there is more to it. Of course, Harris is a point about politicians individually saying what should or should not be taught in schools, but I think it's sort of uh, hypocritical of Harris, who is in line with the hyper-partisan, hyper-political teachers' unions, to make such a claim. And we've seen plenty of Democrat politicians who meddle in what happens in K-12 through from the curriculum standpoint in that way. But that first part from Andrea Mitchell, that he doesn't want, that Ron DeSantis doesn't want, for example, slavery taught to kids, is literally a lie. Like, that is not at all what Ron DeSantis has said. You may not agree with what he's looking at vis-a-vis AP African American studies, but it ain't that. He's all on board with teaching the good, the bad, the great, the ugly in American history. And there is plenty of all of it including slavery, including Jim Crow. And he's a former social studies teacher himself, U.S. government and history teacher. So he gets that. It ain't what Andrea Mitchell lied and said in that interview clip with Kamala Harris. But what else do you expect from someone over there at MSNBC? I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. You're listening to The Jimmy Sangenberger Show. When we come back, how can we hold down the costs of health care? There's a unique model to do that. We'll talk about it and talk with Dr. Chad Savage coming up here in just a few minutes on The Jimmy Sangenberger Show on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Good morning. Welcome back to The Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Most badass bumper music known to man, medicine by the great Tab Benoit. Kicks us off this morning and put me in a good mood. I love this song, and when he performs it live, it's all the better. Good to be with you. News Talk 710-KNUS as we talk health care with a physician by the name of Dr. Chad Savage, who I caught up with to talk about a model of health care distribution that I think we need to take a closer look at, and policymakers should do whatever they can to permit as greater choice and opportunity for folks all across the country and right here in the state of Colorado. Left or right, we can all agree that the American health care system is too damn expensive. And oftentimes we feel like we don't have enough choice in the market, especially when it comes to affordable options for those choices for yourself and your family. What if I told you that there's a different model from the insurance model that has been growing in recent years, and it's one that is much more focused on personalization for the individual? That's what we're going to talk about now as I'm joined by the founder of Your Choice Direct Care, Dr. Chad Savage, who joins me here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Welcome to the program. It's good to talk with you. 
Thanks, Jimmy. Happy to be here. So I'm familiar with this model that we're going to talk about called direct primary care, which I think is something we should be hearing a lot more about. And increasingly, you are hearing about this. Um, but let's for those who are not familiar with this concept for healthcare and how it could be delivered in a way that's different from the insurance model. What is it? And then we'll get into the benefits and how it can provide choice and affordability and so forth. But what is it top line? Sure. So it's a, it's a direct relationship between the doctor and the patient instead of using insurance companies and the government as costly and intrusive uh, middlemen. And basically, uh, though every practice is slightly different, it's not a franchise or anything of that sort. The general concept of it is it's a low-cost, budgetable, affordable, predictable membership with a doctor's office where you see them as much as you want. All the visits are included. They usually do procedures and in-office diagnostic testing like strep tests and flu swabs, all included so you're not getting nickeled and dimed at every turn. They include telemedicine, and and in some states, and I'm not sure Colorado is one of them, the doctors can even dispense medications at cost to the patients and do labs at cost and, and even have arrangements with imaging services to really cut down on the cost for the patients while actually improving the care. Now, how does that come about as far as some of these cost savings? Is it less administrative cost? Is it less red tape that you might have to jump through? I mean, when you think about insurance, I think about the behemoths that you have to deal with on a regular basis and the hoops you got to jump through. Yeah, oh, 100%. And not only do those layers of bureaucracy that we must wade through every day in the insurance model contribute to the cost, but they actually impact the care. You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny. People always think, well, how can I pay for my medical care? What they don't realize is even if you're using the surrogates of the government or insurance companies, they are paying for it. The money always originates with that patient. The difference is if they pay it into the government, what a lot of people don't know is the government then turns around and subcontracts the management of those funds to private insurance companies, and they take a chunk of that change and put stipulations on how it can be used before they do so. And then the insurance company turns around and takes a bigger chunk of that uh, that money that was originally contributed in by the patient, puts more stipulations before contracting with the doctor, who then wanting to, to please the person who's paying them, who he perceives as the insurance company, is distracted from taking care of the person with whom the, uh, the payment originated with, which is the patient themselves. Um, so a direct arrangement seems unusual in this era where everything's paid through insurance middlemen. But in fact, this is the historical anomaly, what we're doing now for thousands of years and throughout human history, uh, patients paid for their own care uh, and for low cost care like primary care, which is what direct primary care is. Um, it's far more cost effective to have that direct arrangement. And it's much more ethical because the decision making in that arrangement occurs between the doctor and the patient and without the influence and coercion of bureaucrats and administrators. Dr. Chad Savage, when we look at this system and the idea of direct primary care, clearly you're talking so much about the primary care provider, but what about issues that may come up involving the hospital or the ER or perhaps mental health services? Yep. So about 80% of medical care can be provided out of primary care medical offices. So the beauty of that low-cost monthly membership, and every practice is different, but I'll use my own as an example. I'm up in Michigan. Um, we're between $49 and $89 a month for unlimited primary care. So 80% of medical care can be provided under that low-cost membership model. But then there are things that we can't do. If your appendix is about to rupture or something, I, don't, I can't take somebody to the back 
break room, grab out a butter knife and take care of that for them. They, they still need that handled. So the good news is that you can still do that by combining it with true insurance or true coverage, cost-effective coverage. And the reason I emphasize the word true is we're not dealing with tr- true insurance as it's historically right. been defined with what we're currently dealing with in healthcare. It's more of a prepaid medical plan. In true insurance, it's, it's, a, it's a financial tool. That's all it is. It's a financial tool to hedge against catastrophic financial loss. You know, you, you, you burn down your home, you need to replace it, but you don't pay for cleaning the gutters out because it would be exorbitantly expensive to clean the gutters out by including your insurance company in that transaction. The problem is today is the average premium for a family of four is close to $26,000 a year before you've ever even seen a doctor. So instead of being the hedge against the catastrophic financial loss, the sad truth is the insurance itself is the catastrophic financial loss. So to kind of go back to your question, the good news is, is, is though they're not as numerous as they should be, there are less expensive options out there. Um, uh, things like short-term limited duration insurance plans, which are essentially a throwback to the true catastrophic plans of old where they, they don't, they're not involved in your care very much unless something horrendous happens. Um, there are what are called health sharing, which are different types of coverage products, usually religiously based, like, um, um, you know, like Christian health care ministries or Samaritan health care ministries. And, and they're dramatically less expensive. And if I can monologue for a little bit longer, mm, sure. I actually wrote a, um, a um, article in Town Hall several years ago with my own experience of combining the less expensive, uh, uh, better quality care of direct primary care, which is what I do, in combination with a health share, mine specifically being Samaritan Ministries. And in the first five years that I did that, getting as much medical care, high quality medical care from my primary care doctor mm. as I wanted, while having the, the Samaritan ministries to cover for the catastrophic should it occur, I saved $88,000 over the premium cost of the traditional insurance product alone, which if you march that out over to a decade, not in deprivation or rationing of care, but in, in getting better care, just changing how you pay for it, I could save enough to buy a modest house with the savings. Wow. Dr. Chad Savage, our guest, founder of Your Choice Direct Care in Brighton, Michigan. When we look at this idea you're suggesting of basically pairing up the direct primary care model that you provide and others, of course, across the country in increasing numbers and a health share program. So that health share is is adequate. Generally speaking, you could find adequate plans to cover those catastrophic needs and then cover your direct care needs that may come up on a more regular basis through a program with the direct primary care provider in lieu of looking for some expansive insurance plan or or the fewer number of available catastrophic plans that are actually permitted under, say, Obamacare and various state laws. Yep, yep, you got it, 100%. You know, and those those options should increase. Health sharing is a fantastic option. Short-term limited duration plans are an alternative. There's even some crowdsourcing options that are starting to come up. Obviously, they're brand new. Everybody needs to do their own due diligence and research these to determine if they're right for them. Because there can be some things, if someone was just diagnosed with cancer, these would not be the best option because they can exclude uh, previously existing conditions for a, a short time period. So you want to make sure that they're good in your specific situation. But what they what they illustrate is is the amount of savings that can be achieved if we just get away from this you know, massive intermediary system that we currently have. As my own practice is an example, 
I cut my cost of operation when I stopped um, billing insurance companies. You think, well, that's a small contributor to the overall operational cost of the practice. My practice went from a, a thriving insurance practice. I cut my cost by 50% by not dealing with insurance companies. in half. Wow. 50%, which shows how many people we had to hire to deal with all those processes. It's not just billing and coding. We, we had to have people who were involved in metrics tracking to report to the insurance companies. And there's privacy issues associated with that, too. And uh, our, it, we went back to the streamlined aspect of, of a doctor and a nurse, which is kind of the Norman Rockwell kind of old school way of thinking of a, of a doctor's office. And people told us, you can never do that. You can't do that in the modern era. It's just too complex. Well, you know, I love it when people tell us that we can't do the thing that we're doing. We have a one-to-one ratio right now, one mm. doctor to one, one um, full-time employee. Um, and if you put that out to the entire $4.5 trillion with a T healthcare industry, we could save literally trillions of dollars every year, which is much bigger than the gross domestic product of entire nations. Well, this is the beauty of innovation in the free market is when you have different models of providing services to people, especially necessary services like healthcare, then incredible things can come about, Dr. Savage. Uh, One thing that I'm curious about, we have, of course, these things that a lot of employers include them in packages and so forth where you can, uh, health packages where you can get a health savings account and then apply Mm -hmm. funds from that towards certain expenses, but that isn't including, as I recall, uh, insurance, that health plans like insurance are not considered as acceptable for health savings accounts payments um, from uh, from those payments to apply to those bills. How is direct primary care currently considered by the IRS? Well, that's an excellent question. I don't even know that the IRS can actually tell you that. They've never formalized any um, policy specifically on it, the, the, uh, but in 2019, if I'm recalling the year correctly, President Trump at that time issued an executive order to instruct the Treasury Department to make HSAs applicable to direct primary care. So now you could pay for your membership that's so inexpensive and then subtract your tax rate off of that, which makes it even less expensive. That's still kind of in limbo. So we don't know exactly where that's going to fall out. But you bring up the wonderful point of of could you use those for insurance? And uh, uh, Senator Cruz and uh, Congressman Chip Roy had introduced a uh, a bill called the Personalized Care Act, which actually uh, offered to allow HSAs, which are pre-tax savings accounts. Um, they're actually the best savings modality out there because you're not taxed on contribution. You can invest like a 401k, but it's not taxed on growth and it's not taxed when it's used, unlike a 401k, which is at least taxed at some point. But if you could use that for insurance premiums and for direct primary care, not only would you make those things less expensive, but you would eliminate the need for an employer-based health system because the reason people get insurance through their employers right now is it's tax advantage to do so. You get it pre-tax. So um, you could eliminate the need for employers to become defunct or or de facto um, healthcare providers, which they don't want to do. They want to focus on their core industry, their core business or core industry. And that bill would allow that to occur. 
Well, I mean, as of recording this interview, the IRS can't even figure out how to classify the taxpayer bill of rights refunds that Coloradans have been guaranteed in the Constitution of our state for the past 30 years. Uh, so it's no surprise that the IRS is still dithering on this particular issue. Uh, before we let you go, Dr. Ch- Chad Savage of Your Choice Direct Care in Michigan, what's a final point or is there anything that folks who are listening can do to help expand access to these kinds of programs in Colorado and, and anywhere? Well, I would, I would reach out to your local lawmakers and ask them to support bills like the Personalized Care Act and the Health Care Freedom Act, which look to try to expand these, um, these options. There's even one more. It's called an MSA, a medical savings account, which would mean these type of options would even be applicable to Medicare patients with a fund created uh, and uh, financed by Medicare, but then those assets are under the management of the Medicare recipient who can take them to whomever, whichever provider they want. Wait, the services they want. wait, can we actually save Medicare money potentially? <laughs> yeah. And, and the big thing is, is, is you always hear the politicians say, oh, we're making things more affordable. We're, we're helping to cut costs. But they're not. They're subsidizing things. That's not cutting the cost. In fact, mm. that 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 perpetuates artificially priced system. If the patients are in control of those dollars, they will price shop. They they will actually be the ones who will correct the the mispricing of the system by applying free market um, pressures to bring these ridiculous prices back under control. Insurance companies better watch out. This is uh, something I've been following for a few years now. And I mean, the, the more that we can allow innovation in the private sector on especially things like healthcare, the better off everybody will be, especially given how damn expensive the healthcare industry really is. Dr. Chad Savage, founder of Your Choice Direct Care, really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure, Jimmy. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. What are your thoughts? Is that an innovative approach that we should take on healthcare, especially as the left wants to grow, grow, grow the role, size, and scope of government in healthcare ad nauseum? 303-696-1971. You're listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show right here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Another cool song bringing us back on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. From the late John Campbell, doing his tune, Devil in My Closet, from his One Believer album as we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710-KNUS. Just a cool, cool tone to this one as we wrap up this, the first hour of the program, the station that is home to three radio hosts who will be going down to the southern border to secure the border. No, 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 I don't think that's actually what's going to happen. Join News Talk 710's George Brockler, Deborah Flora, and Stephen Tubbs for a week of broadcasts live from El Paso. Starting Monday morning, all three shows will be live from the southern border and reporting about the real and growing concern of immigration and the effects on Colorado. And you can add your voice to the growing number of people asking Governor Jared Polis to end Colorado's sanctuary status. Log on to 710knus.com to sign our petition today by clicking on the Colorado Undivided banner 
at 710knus.com. Should be some great, interesting radio coming up next week. And speaking of the southern border, Washington Examiner, Hakeem Jeffries, tells Democrats to take a field trip to southern border. The top House Democrat urged his colleagues to travel down to the U.S.-Mexico border to gain a better understanding of the challenges that federal law enforcement and local communities face before the caucus attempts to move on immigration reform in Congress. Here's the question. Is this too little too late? I mean, okay, does he get props at least for saying go down to the southern border? And give yourselves a a little perspective on what the situation is like there vis-a-vis border security and the immigration crisis? Or do you look at it as just a political publicity stunt? The article continues, House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries visited Representative Henry Cuellar in his border district in Texas on Friday as part of a multi-day tour in the region to learn about the humanitarian crisis and fentanyl epidemic that have set record highs in arrests and seizures since President Joe Biden took office. Could George, Deb, and Stefan see Democrat members of Congress down at the southern border? Maybe Jason Crow will be there, or Diana DeGette, or Brittany Pedersen, and maybe they'll sit down for an interview live from the board. I'm not holding my breath that that will happen. But, you know, stranger things have happened, haven't they? So Jeffrey said during a press conference at the port of entry on Friday afternoon, quote, we do need comprehensive immigration reform that is both humane, but also respects the rule of law and the traditions of public safety and the importance of that for border communities. I'm going to continue to encourage my colleagues in Washington as part of trying to arrive at a comprehensive solution to take a field trip, come down to the border communities to speak to the people who experience life at the border. Now, about damn time that the Dems would go down there, but notice the language. I'm going to continue to encourage my colleagues as part of trying to arrive at a comprehensive solution. (laughs) It's just a lot of begin to continue to do the trying of coming up with a solution that then has to be implemented to address a crisis down at the southern border. It's just convoluted. My head is spinning. You're listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Let's take our break and come back with Eric Odland, candidate for Colorado GOP chair. On the other side, News Talk 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.